name is Fiona Zeiger and you're listening to the Migration Podcast. For this episode, I spoke to Elaine Ho about her book, Citizens in Motion. Based on a decade of research in China, Canada, Singapore and the China-Myanmar border, Elaine explores the very different ways in which Chinese overseas relate to the countries of citizenship, to mainland China and to other cohorts of Chinese emigrants. Elaine tackles issues of ethnic identity and belonging, challenges assumptions of co-ethnic allegiance, and shows that the Chinese overseas are a very heterogeneous population, maintaining various attachments and identities. Thank you, Elaine, for speaking to me about your new book, Citizens in Motion, for the Migration Podcast. You start your book with Mm -hmm. a short anecdote about a taxi driver. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about this Mm -hmm. encounter and how this became a memorable experience when you wrote your book. Okay, so the book really draws on uh, a decade of uh, research in China as well as uh, in other sites studying Chinese migration. So I would visit China for my uh, research and field work. So on one of these visits, I was taking a taxi in Beijing and the Taxi driver asked if I was from southern China because he was trying to identify my accent when I speak Mandarin. So I wasn't feeling very chatty and I said to him, I'm from Singapore. And his next question was, uh, which part of China is Singapore in? And I said, Singapore is not in China. And uh, without missing a beat, he said to me, you should come back to serve the country. So this vignette, you know, to me is reflective of how the Chinese abroad, people like myself, we continue to be regarded as parts of the ancestral land, even though we have been sort of brought up uh, and even, you know, born overseas. And that's what the book's about, because it wanted to uh, reflect on how the Chinese abroad can feel caught between two, uh, both worlds, both uh, first-generation migrants and diasporic descendants. So the diasporic descendants, uh, which I refer to in my book, are the offspring of earlier generations of migrants. How does this uh, vignette or this encounter then feature in your, in your book? Okay, so parts of the book are the patterns of uh, multi-directional migration, uh, more specifically emigration, immigration and re-migration. So the book argues that it is actually important for migration scholars to analyze these migration patterns in conjunction rather than isolating them for analysis as has been done in much of migration scholarship. And I highlight this argument because uh, migration in and of China shows that multidirectional migration patterns are actually happening in countries that we normally consider either sending or receiving sites, attaching therefore a spatial imagination that fixes these uh, migration sites in particular ways. So the book wants to uh, forward an argument that rather than fixing these migration sites spatially in our minds, we should actually analyze multidirectional migration in ways that will illuminate the citizenship politics that take place within a migration site as well as across migration sites. And in the book, the focus is on Chinese migration, but uh, the migration sites where I study these multidirectional migration patterns uh, cover Singapore, Canada, as well as China. So one example of multidirectional migration that I discuss in the book is about how uh, Singapore today is a site of new mainland Chinese immigration. But um, Singaporean Chinese, who are diasporic descendants, actually contest the immigration of new mainland Chinese immigrants to Singapore. Um, because the Singaporean Chinese identify with a 
version of uh, multiculturalism that has been naturalized in Singapore's nation-building story. But this version of multiculturalism can actually exclude newer immigrants in Singapore, even if they are of the same ethnic group as uh, people of Singaporean nationality. And legal scholar Catherine Devon has talked about uh, how settler nations such as Canada, Australia, they can uh, they actually also can experience uh, aspects of an immigration hierarchy where earlier arrivals feel that they have a more natural or stronger sense of belonging to the national community and inadvertently that might exclude sort of uh, newer immigrants. And in my book I also talk about emigration because I wanted to highlight alongside the immigration patterns in Singapore there's also emigration of uh, Singaporeans going to live, work and study overseas including in China. But when these uh, Singaporean Chinese go to China and encounter domestic-born Chinese, they experience a heightened sense of differentiation. Um, and this actually reinforces the differences between co-ethnics rather than consolidating solidarity. You use the, the concepts of alterity and fraternity mm-hmm. a lot, so your analysis pivots around this. Mm-hmm. Um, I find this really interesting mm-hmm. how you don't look like we often do in migration studies at a mi- migrant population versus a non-migrant local mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. quote-unquote native or whatever population, but you actually look at different cohorts Mm-hmm. Um, of migrants, mm-hmm. yeah, and how they differentiate mm-hmm. um, themselves from each other, or how there is like a sort of tension mm-hmm. coming yeah. out of this, yeah, yeah. As for instance, in the mm-hmm. Singaporean case, mm-hmm. which I'm more familiar with than mm-hmm. with, with the other cases you mm-hmm. you study in your book, so I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. actually to read about this. Mm-hmm. I was wondering in your exploration of migration and citizenship, um, and by using these notions of fraternity and alterity, like who who belongs when and under what conditions and um, when and how are the authority or fraternity mobilized, by whom and for what mm. purpose? Okay, so in the book, um, my discussion of alterity and fraternity pertains to uh, notions of social difference and membership respectively. And to me, this language captures how social difference and membership are actually two sides of the same coin. Uh, for one group to belong, oftentimes another group is made to feel excluded. So, alterity and fraternity, uh, as the book argues, it's mobilized flexibly by states, by migrants themselves, as well as non-migrants. And in various ways, they use uh, alterity or fraternity to legitimize uh, belonging, non-belonging, inclusion or exclusion. And this could be uh, pertaining to a national community or even extending to the community writ large beyond the national territory. So in my book, I discuss this uh, through the vocabulary of extraterritorial citizenship and the diaspora strategies of countries like uh, China, but also Singapore and Canada engaging in diaspora strategizing. Can you tell us more about how the Chinese state behaves across its borders and how this intersects with um, or affects the notion of identity and membership uh, in the Chinese nation of overseas Chinese and the Chinese um, diaspora? So the Chinese state um, has long engaged with the diaspora through diaspora engagement. And I think more recently, uh, the scholarship has analyzed this using the term diaspora strategies or diaspora strategizing. So in the book, I have carried out uh, various research projects in China. And an earlier project actually looked at how from 1949 to 1979, 
the Chinese state accepted Chinese co-ethnics who had been expelled from countries like Indonesia and Vietnam. The Chinese in those countries were experiencing ethnic persecution and the Chinese uh, state had sent uh, ships to fetch them back to China, fetch them to China actually I should say, because actually these uh, co-ethnics had never lived in China before. So for that particular episode in that chapter of the book, I talked about how the Chinese state privileged co-ethnicity and it extended an extraterritorial reach to co-ethnics abroad who are in distress. So during that period of time, the Chinese state had already used diaspora engagement to feature its reach towards the Chinese overseas. The book, however, also looks at contemporary uh, diaspora strategizing by the Chinese state. And what the book observes is that there's a shift from privileging only co-ethnicity to today now also uh, privileging or prioritizing actually the economic value of the diaspora. So the Chinese state's housing talents uh, program, for example, prioritizes the overseas Chinese, giving them special privileges uh, to return to China if they are able to contribute to the scientific or economic development uh, of China. And I think, you know, overall, across the chapters in the book, what the book really wants to highlight is actually the heterogeneity of the Chinese overseas. So it highlights, you know, the various forms of social difference that emerges between the domestic-born Chinese, the first-generation migrants, for example, who went to Canada, then subsequently chose to re-migrate to China, or, you know, the diasporic descendants like the Singaporean Chinese, who are now re-migrating to China to study, uh, live and uh, work. So overall, the book does not merely assume that there exists a Chinese diaspora. It wants to highlight um, the heterogeneity of the Chinese abroad and argues that China's diaspora outreach needs to be understood in that way, that it engages with different cohorts of uh, Chinese migrants abroad uh, in particular ways. Mm. So if we think about um, fraternity or also alterity as only being defined around ethnicity or race, we're thinking too narrowly. Yes, that's right. So alterity uh, refers to difference, but the book also argues that um, the way that uh, migration scholars or race studies, you know, has mm -hmm. analyzed differentiation amongst different groups of people has been very much focused on visible difference, especially to do with skin color. But this analytical approach um, is not very helpful when we're talking about the differences that exist between co-ethnics. So the book highlights then uh, alterity. Uh, alterity refers to difference, but I think more importantly, the notion of alterity is about the mutual constitution of various axes of difference. So it argues also that these are uh, various axes of difference, how they come to the fore depends on the context under study. So we need to be very sensitive to the particularities of the migration site under study to identify what are these different axes of difference and how they come together to mutually constitute this sense of alterity. So in the, in the book, I talk about uh, three different migration sites, Canada, China, and Singapore. And in various chapters, the book draws out how, apart from visible racial difference, other expressions of alterity may have to do with, first, for example, the timing of one's arrival, or in the book, what I refer to as the period of migration. So, for instance, how early arrivals 
tend to naturalize their sense of belonging and membership, uh, claiming that you know later arrivals um, do not fully belong. So that's the one uh, axis of difference which I address in the book uh, to do with the period of migration. The second one has to do with one's nationality and how the national background of a migrant becomes associated with certain geopolitical imaginations or uh, developmental associations. Therefore, identifying that person as being perhaps uh, more backward, you know. So, for instance, in the case of mainland Chinese immigrants in Singapore, because they come from mainland China, the Singaporean Chinese uh, sort of project certain stereotypes on them based on their nationality. The third uh, axis of difference which I highlight in the book is the notion of suzhi. And suzhi, translated from Mandarin, roughly we could say that it refers to human quality. And this is a term that's been used by anthropologist Yan Hairong to uh, analyze internal migration. So how suzhi is defined is amorphous. Okay, It could have to do with the way a migrant carries himself or herself. It could have to do with the person's accent or various ways in which human quality is defined. And in particular, the book highlights how these axes of difference are core to how co-ethnics differentiate themselves from one another, uh, a point uh, which I think we need to also recognize in migration studies and in race scholarship. I, I would also say that uh, although the book focuses on co-ethnic difference, it sets this in the context of inter-ethnic difference as well, based on the countries under study. So China, Singapore, as well as Canada are really multicultural countries. So there exists both inter-ethnic differentiation as well as co-ethnic differentiation that I believe is important to analyze in tandem with each other. You, you wrote a lot about mobile people and, and migrant people who go back and forth as well. And so people migrate several times during their life, etc. And um, I was just wondering, um, where do uh, people stand who were born from quote-unquote mixed marriages and relationships? Mm-hmm. Since you might have, you know, people getting into relationships with, let's say, non-Chinese as well. Um, has this in any way come up in your research? Okay, so um, in terms of mixed relationships or mixed marriages, it wasn't a particular uh, focus of the study. But in the interviews that I did with uh, African immigrants in, in China, it did come out because some of them were in mixed relations. So the book does highlight how Africans in China are simultaneously subjects of fascination to the Chinese public, but um, they are also treated warily as subjects that would be considered inassimilable in China on account of their visible difference. So those interviewees who are in mixed relationships, uh, in the interviews they would highlight you know, that they wonder if their children in the future would be able to secure citizenship in China, or if they would need to move the family to another country. In this way, the book contrasts attitudes towards foreigners embodying visible difference uh, with Chinese society's treatment of different groups of co-ethnics who are now converging in China through remigration. On one level, on account of co-ethnicity, they are considered parts of the Chinese nation, even though they have been born and bred abroad. On another level, they could be still subject to reintegration expectations of what it means to be Chinese in China. So this is uh, an example of what I meant earlier when I said it's actually important for migration and race researchers to analyze both uh, inter-ethnic as well as co-ethnic differences as they exist in migration sites. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very happy you had time to give that interview and speak about your book to me. Thank you very much, Fiona. It's a pleasure to be able to share this with you through the podcast. 
Elaine Ho is Associate Professor at the Department of Geography at the National University of Singapore. In 2019, her book Citizens in Motion won the Best Book by an International Scholar Award, sponsored by the American Sociology Association, Global and Transnational Sociology Section. <music>